Welcome to the Why They Are So Angry podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Francois, a proud baby boomer with over 30 years experience as an educator and learning leader. And I'm Courtney Square, your resident first generation millennial. Join us as we present an unvarnished look at systemic racism in America throughout history and up to modern times. We invite you to pull up a chair, put in your earbuds, and allow us to enlighten, educate, and explore the real reasons why Black African Americans are so angry. Because until you know the whole history, it isn't American history at all. Well, you know, Courtney, we'd be remiss if we didn't comment on the recent landmark Supreme Court decision to basically gut affirmative action, making it unlawful for colleges and universities to take race into consideration as a specific factor in their admissions. Now, listeners, this will be a short episode and we won't be taking a break. So hang in there with us. You're right, Aunt Carol. And since our podcast is all about seeing, saying, and confronting systemic racism, both in the past and the present, it's fitting that we talk about one of the most important tools that has been used to fight against systemic racism, which is affirmative action. Yep, you're right, Courtney. We do need to talk about it. But before we get into that decision and its possible impact, let's remind our listeners how we define systemic racism. Good idea, Aunt Carol. Systemic racism occurs when a group is in power and it uses that power to create patterns, practices, procedures, and policies to consistently penalize, disadvantage, and exploit members of a non-white racial ethnic or racial or ethnic group. Now, in America, traditionally, white people are the power brokers, and they are in the position to make the rules that disadvantage groups that are not in that power structure, particularly Black people. Okay, Courtney, thanks for that reminder. We needed to just kind of refresh our memory on what systemic racism is. Now, there's another term we need to explain, and that is this whole term business about affirmative action. Now, I've got that definition too, Aunt Carol. Now, affirmative action refers to a policy that aimed at increasing workplace and educational opportunities for people who are underrepresented underrepresented in various areas of our society. It focuses on demographics with historically low representation in leadership and professional roles. Now, Courtney, you used a key word in that definition, and that word is policy. Now, just like policies can be used to disadvantage groups, so can policy be used to advantage or at least lessen the disadvantage of certain groups. Now, that's the point of affirmative action. It's a positive policy intended to correct negative policies that prevented Blacks from getting a fair shake to get into colleges and universities, especially those top-tier schools like Harvard and the University of North Carolina, which were at the center of the recent Supreme Court case. So what we're going to see now, Courtney, is that fewer and fewer Blacks and young people of color are going to be able to get into some of these schools. Now, that attack on how colleges and universities admit students is now being extended to how they grant scholarships. 
Recently, a Republican speaker in the Wisconsin State Assembly, Robin Voss, implied that he'll soon work to ban grants designated for minority undergraduate students. Voss took it upon himself to respond to a tweet asserting a scholarship program program for Black, Indigenous, Hispanic, and other minority students was equivalent to discrimination. Now, I've heard about his efforts, Aunt Carol. Isn't he the same guy who opposed anything related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and even went as far as calling the DEI program at the University of Wisconsin indoctrination? Right. As usual, my dear niece, and even though Wisconsin is projected to operate at a $7 billion surplus budget, Voss and other Republicans in the state legislature voted to cut $32 million from their uh, Wisconsin University system uh, unless it agrees to allocate the money toward workforce development as opposed to diversity, equity, and inclusion resources. The Republicans are also planning to do away with nearly 200 DEI jobs on the University of Wisconsin campuses. So we're seeing in real time the dismantling of affirmative action on that college campus. And as we've seen with movements who support book bannings and marginalizing the LGBTQ plus community, momentum for these types of things can be gained quickly, like in Florida and spread to other states. Now, I bet Wisconsin's plan to outlaw scholarships to Black, Indigenous, Hispanic, and other minority students will catch on across the country as well. I think you're right on all those points, Courtney. And we can also expect this work to work its way down into public and private secondary and elementary schools. For example, the Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology outside Washington, D.C., uh, it's one of those schools that routinely ranks as one of the best public schools in America. It has a really highly competitive entrance uh, process. Now, a coalition of parents backed by a conservative legal foundation filed a lawsuit in 2021 challenging the school's admissions policy, and that foundation is asking the Supreme Court to take up the case. The suit raises similar but not identical issues to those addressed by the high court's ruling rejecting admissions policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina as unconstitutional. It's just a little bit different, but it is going to cause concern. Now, the way this goes, the Thomas Jefferson High School policy is different. They used to base admissions just on standardized tests. Now they have a process that allocates a percentage of seats on a geographical basis and takes a student's, quote, experience factors into account. These would be things like whether they come from a low-income household or speak English as a second language. But that coalition that I mentioned earlier, they filed the lawsuit that says the admissions criteria amount to race-based proxies implemented to achieve racial balancing. And they say that policy discriminates against Asian Americans who before the new policy went into effect had constituted 70% of the student body at that high school. Now, under the new rules, Courtney, there was a significantly different racial makeup. Black students increased from 1% to 7%. Hispanic representation increased from 3 to 11%. 
and Asian American representation decreased from 73% to 54%. So the Supreme Court decision is having repercussions far beyond the ivory towers of colleges and universities. Now secondary and elementary education equity policies might be at risk now too. And what's worse in Carol, some legal experts believe that the decision could lead to further future and further legal challenges that oppose the use of affirmative action in all aspects of society. And I think we should be clear that what the Supreme Court ruled recently is for colleges because you see a lot of disinformation on the internet saying, oh, well, affirmative action's gone away everywhere. That's not true, but it's working towards that. It might work towards that. You're right, Courtney. You are so right. What we're about to see is a possible avalanche of unintended consequences based on this decision. Now, in all honesty, Aunt Carol, I think the Supreme Court decision is actually opening the door for some very intended consequences. Now, for years, groups on the right have objected to affirmative action. I've heard it my whole life, as well as diversity, equity and inclusion policies and practices in business education and in industry and the government because they feel these give advantages that are unfair to black people over over white people. So this has been coming to fruition for a very long time. You're right, Courtney. Thanks for pulling my coattail. It's not unintended consequences. I think you are right. These are intended consequences. The decision very well might unravel the many years of hard work to level the playing field for Blacks in a variety of fields, not just through affirmative action in education. So let's take a look at employment, for example. According to the ACLU website, Quote, a decision outlawing consideration of race in college admissions could also make it harder for employers to take steps to promote diversity, equity in their workforces. Dozens of government programs that address past and current discrimination, advance racial equity, and seek to close the racial wealth gap, such as business incubator programs, could also be jeopardized. So the ACLU is sounding the alarm. Now, I read in an article in The Guardian that said diversity, equity and inclusion, what we know as DEI initiatives have long been used by companies trying to diversify their employees and leaders. And after the racial reckoning following the police killing of George Floyd in 2020, many more businesses have promised to prioritize diversity initiatives and in hiring and retention. Now, even Chick-fil-A, and we all know that Chick-fil-A is a a lot of people's problematic favorite. It's my problematic favorite fast food. But even they, with their conservative stance on LGBTQ plus issues, voiced a commitment to diversity and created a new vice president role for a DEI. But experts who work and study workplace DEI efforts are off are really worried that the affirmative action decision will affect these initiatives as conservative groups take their fight against diversity even further. And I know we've all seen people boycott Chick-fil-A, boycott Target, boycott Bud Light. So that is just what's really happening with these conservative groups get a little motion behind them. Yes, that motion is critical to pay attention to. Now, Alvin Tillery, who's a professor of political science and director of the Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy at Northwestern University, said this, 
Affirmative action in higher education is not really the main event for racial equity in America. The main event is the workplace. This is what the right-wingers will attack next, and the economic and societal ramifications of, what, uh, of how that will look will be much larger. Now, he went on to say, the entire point of these dark money-funded right-wing groups that have been pushing these cases is that they want to eliminate the use of race in institutional decision-making. And so that would mean in any kind of situation, Courtney, not just colleges and universities or elementary and secondary education. Decision-making that takes race indicate into uh, consideration is something that this right-wing uh, right push is against. And I think a lot of these groups kind of use it as a don't you want to be hired on your own merit? But we all know the sinister dark side is if you don't make room for uh, Black people, Indigenous people, uh, minority groups, what the workforce will go back to looking. So it does seem on the cover like, yeah, I want to be hired for my merit. But the secret is we just don't want you there at all. Now, Tillery is on point. That's why the HR Policy Association and dozens of groups and employers, including IBM, Meta, the American Bar Association, wrote amicus briefs to the Supreme Court in support of affirmative action, saying its end would negatively affect the future of the workforce. Yep, court. Those court. Uh, those companies are seeing the handwriting on the wall. Racial discrimination by employers is covered by Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which prohibits employment discrimination for protected classes, including race. Now, private companies that are contracted with by the federal government and some state governments are required by law to have affirmative action in place. The law tells companies to ensure the gender and racial demographics of their company match the makeup of available workers in that industry. Fidian Curtilus, an economics professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, who has studied the increase in diversity at private companies that had contracts with the federal government, says that the end of affirmative action, quote, is going to have implications for the composition of the workforce because the pipeline is essentially getting restricted. And basically, he's saying that if we um, squeeze out minority candidates, Blacks, Indigenous people, and so on, uh, the pipeline really isn't going to have a lot of people in it. Only whites, I suppose. That's very true. And another thing to remember, Aunt Carol, is that the workplace is that workplace diversity efforts are not the same as legal or policy mandated affirmative action requirements. Now, they are less straightforward and include initiatives such as anti-bias training, mentorship programs, targeted outreach efforts, and more. A broad set of programs companies take on to make their workplaces welcoming for employees and customers. Now, in comparison, affirmative action is a specific policy to help make a place, whether it's a school, an office, or a place of business, more diverse and inclusive. You're right, Courtney, and that's why we have to keep an eye on recent efforts to wipe out diversity, equity, and, and inclusion programs in private and public entities. Groups are already bringing pressure against companies, like you said, uh, that they have been describing as, quote unquote, woke, because they have DEI initiatives and policies. 
And that's all very weird to me, the whole like we're adding woke because we know the word that you really want to say, like insert whatever slur here. Mm -hmm. But as we've said before, those in power can use policies, practices and procedures to either advantage or disadvantage certain groups. So diversity, equity and inclusion policies that are about giving an advantage to blacks could be in danger because people don't want to endanger their bottom line. That's yeah, there we go. Now, as we see that the Supreme Court decision has opened a Pandora's box of pretty negative consequences for colleges, universities, and possibly businesses, let's talk about an unlikely business that may be affected by the decision. Courtney, how about if you read a statement the leadership of that business made immediately following the court's decision? I'm happy to do that. And Carol, and here's the statement. In light of the public interest in today's Supreme Court decision and possible speculation about their scope and application in other business settings, we want to be clear about the NFL's commitment. Our dedication to the fundamental principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion remains unchanged. We will not pause in pursuing our policies and programs that are designed to create a level playing field to ensure that diverse voices are heard and respected and to hire, promote, and develop leaders who represent the full spectrum of America. We will continue working with each of you, the 32 clubs and colleagues outside the league to make the NFL a leading organization that models inclusive, respectful, and supportive workplace for everyone. We have seen the power of opportunity when it is placed in someone's hands. We know the power of inclusion and the estimable value of having diverse voices actively involved in decision making throughout the league. And we have seen the extraordinary result of a shared mission with players and clubs to create positive change in undeserved underserved and underrepresented communities across the country. Like the game of football, we strive to be a unifying organization that brings people together with commitment to equity and the appreciation of difference. Thus, on all these fronts and more, our commitment will not waver, our work will continue unabated, and our focus will be on continuing our progress. Wow. Wow, Courtney, the NFL jumped right in to state their intentions. And, you know, I applaud them for that. We've done episodes in the past pointing out some of the shortcomings of that league when it comes to addressing systemic races. So it's good to see they're taking this issue head on. I think that what they figured out is that diversity, equity and inclusion is the next thing that could fall. And they want to let people know that they're still going to be working to have that dream come true, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think a lot of people forget a lot of the football players play college football. And if you don't let them in college, we won't have the next generation of the NFL coaches, players, front office, any of that, if these guys aren't allowed to even get into school with or without a scholarship. Yep, that's their pipeline. That is the NFL's pipeline. Now, it looks like the NFL is trying to head off an attack 
on what's known as the Rooney Rule, which would likely be a huge target for people who want to end affirmative action everywhere and see the Supreme Court decision as a way to do that. Now, the rule requires teams to interview minorities for coaching and executive positions, and it's become one of the gold standards of affirmative action in the history of American sports. It's definitely not a perfect rule, and many complain that it hasn't guaranteed minorities getting hired in top NFL positions, but it could be much worse worse without that rule. It sure could, Courtney. And folks probably won't think something like the Rooney rule could come uh, under scrutiny and even be stricken down uh, or see a, a legal challenge. But remember, it seemed pretty far-fetched that Roe v. Wade would be overturned, and it was. There were few who also believed affirmative action in the college entrance process would be reversed, and it was. Those cases also didn't take decades to unfold, and it took a relatively short amount of time, considering the makeup of the Supreme Court, to overturn some things that we have taken for granted. Now, what I'd like to see is more companies and groups stepping up and trying to get ahead of the firestorm like the NFL to make it clear they won't be bullied into halting their DEI efforts and even announce plans to intensify them. I agree, Aunt Carol, and that's a courageous thing to do, but it's really the right thing to do. Because affirmative action and DEI are about rectifying centuries of past inequities this country has heaped upon its Black citizens. Now, the writer Charles Blow put it eloquently in his New York Times op-ed by saying that this inequity we've been talking about is the result of, quote, the greater ability of some families to accrue and transfer wealth in material harms produced by the increased likelihood of discrimination in employment banking, healthcare, and the criminal justice system, and from discriminatory urban planning and the under-resourcing of particular schools. In other words, Charles Blow is pointing out all the ways that the field has not been leveled, and this uh, business of taking away affirmative action is going to unbalance that field again in all of those areas that he mentioned. Now, affirmative action and diversity and, and equity and inclusion policies are the critical tools for seeing, saying, confronting, and eventually dismantling the systemic uh, racism that Charles Blow was describing. However, the Supreme Court decision is placing a huge stumbling block in our country's ability to resolve its racial inequities. You're absolutely right, Ann Carol, and that's why the work continues. So for all of us who are wondering the work that we're doing with Why Are They So Angry, you can visit us on our website, which is www.podpage.com slash why are they so angry. That brings today's episode to a close. We hope you join us next time when we continue providing the answer to the question, why are they so angry? As always, we hope you learn something so you can see it, say it, and confront it.